Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast with your hosts, the Battle Bros, Taylor and Isaac. What's up, Isaac? And we're back again. <laughs> Correct. Just a week later, but May was uh, May was coming to a close here, and we promised you guys two episodes a month, so we got back together, and uh, we're at it again. But we got some interesting things to talk about, some interesting news. Yeah, it's, it's much easier to come up with content now that... Uh, Stuff is happening with Flesh and Blood. We're not just waiting for spoiler season to start. So we can like actually do a weekly podcast if we needed to. Right. You know? So um, <clears throat> so welcome everybody to the uh, Attack Action Podcast. We uh, sit here and talk about Flesh and Blood. It's basically <laughs> what it is. If this is your first episode. It seems like most people who contact us at least uh, kind of start from the beginning. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe there's new listeners who just jump right in, but um, it's like everybody who's written us has said, I started episode one and I'm working my way up. Yeah. Even, even yeah. though there's, uh, you know, more current coverage in the later <laughs> episodes. <laughs> totally. I bet it's probably fun to go through our journey as we yeah. go through it. I lived it, so I'm not going back through. It was pretty fun living it, though. Totally. We don't have any news today, but we do have some shout outs, which... This is a great segue into this shout out because A, the person we're shouting out in an email previous told us they started on episode one, which is pretty funny. And then B, his criticism was that we talk about the podcast and what it's doing too much. And then we just did that at the beginning. So, <laughs> so suck it, dude. Nailed it. But we're, no, shout- seriously. we're shouting you out. Um, Thank you so much for... Uh... He's our first Patreon member, Michael Popovich. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, also wrote us with a listener question and donated to our Patreon and gave us some feedback. So uh, thank you, like whatever that is, four times over for, um, you know, being such a great listener. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely <laughs> appreciate um, it. And uh, also that brings us to... Our Patreon is now up and running. Mm-hmm. Was it during the last episode? I think so, yeah. Well, anyway, our Patreon is up and running. You can find it in the show notes. Um, it's at Patreon slash Attack Action Podcast. It's Patreon.com slash Attack Action Podcast. Okay. The, yeah. Um, you're better at the, the you, you usually do that part. Totally. Well, you got to <laughs> um, practice. So please, please, you guys, if... Uh, you know, if you're dropping 800 bucks on cold foils, uh, just come up and come over and, you know, drop a few bucks for our, you know, four hours a month entertainment. Hell yeah. Um, it'll, uh, as Taylor would say, keep the mics hot. Yep. And uh, Mr. Popovich, keep your constructive criticism to yourself. Okay. I was just happy kidding. to hear from you. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. But Michael asks, um, what's up with Hexagore? How would you build a deck and pilot it using this weapon you need to wait at least to mid game to start using it but then you are trying to get blood debt into your banish zone early and that generally feels like a poor idea am i missing something so isaac as our resident brute player and loser of four (laughs) games right before this with the hexagore axe or how does it how's that go three games but um oh sorry (laughs) Um, so this brings us to our listener question segment. Oh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, okay. 
Um, because uh, Michael Popovich asked us a question about Hexagor. You want me to so, read it um, again? Nah, that's, that's all good. <laughs> Just mashing it all which ways. Totally. But we sat down to record this episode before having time to really delve into this. And I will say, I don't think anybody's playing Leviya, just based on recent events. Playing Leviya, much less playing Hexagore um, lately. I, uh, in my like tiny bit of Leviya brute effort, I kind of landed on Romping Club and Barragings because you can kind of do that until you're ready to shift gears. But as Taylor just said, we, uh, we play, we just played three games, two against Chain, one against Bolton. Both classes that you need to kind of pressure early, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the in opposite of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so anyway, I tried to build a Hexagore deck to uh, test it out and get it rolling, um, which is like pretty tough, but better than I thought it would be. I will say that. Yeah. Especially with now, like, Dread Screamer, it's pretty easy for you to attack for six, get go again, attack for six again. Yeah. You know? Or Scabskins. I also run Blue Screamers, just in case. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's like a, a small pool we have with Hexagore and stuff, but um, which we'll, we'll come back to this later when we break it wide open and hexagore is just murdering everybody right when we've actually had time to put in the full amount of testing required yeah totally Um, for that specific weapon but what it seems like is kind of what uh michael was alluding to is that you kind of have to play or it seems like that's and this is on on paper right now that you need to be more of a control style and then once your opponent is out of threats kind of then you can just like really pour on the pressure um yeah but but it's like a whole thing so it's you like, have to be really mindful of like what cards you're pitching what cards are left in your deck and like all of that stuff totally you know? and it you, so far nobody's made a control deck ever without uh you know using your weapon from the get-go yeah so i don't know if that's the case um it it does have huge value in that you you know, along with scab skins and classic constructed also, and like you said, screamers or whatever. And also just in your graveyard management, right? So if you like play a screamer, you've fulfilled Leviah's ability so you won't take blood debt. And then swing for six again without banishing more cards out of your graveyard also has value, right? Just having yeah. that like additional power, like six and six and you're only three cards down mm-hmm. um, is pretty good. Um, I found I was just trying to kind of get there quicker, right? Like, normally with Leviah, I was, like, kind of waiting to pull the trigger. But now it's, like, you don't have a weapon until you've banished X amount of cards. So, anyway. We'll see. We'll come back to it. Yeah, totally. And who knows? There might be some sort of weird, like, uh, well, not weird, but really cool, like, turbo into doomsday build that um the hexagore just really feasts in that in that zone yeah thing i mean just from my play today it feels like you almost want to go more aggro than i was going yeah just because like the sooner you've played her cards that banish cards out of your graveyard the sooner hexagore is online yeah And, and who i mean maybe that there's like a crazy build though that's like 
um, play some time. I don't know. Like, because Blasphemet is a free, a sixer, you right. know, and if you roll scab skins, you can swing Blasphemet and then the Hexagore and that's 12. I yeah. don't know. If you can get like, if you can do 18 damage, like every turn, it won't <laughs> matter if you don't banish a card. You know what I mean? Right. Like you'll take six, but they're taking uh double. So they're taking 12 if they just take it. And, uh, so you like win the damage race. Yeah. And if, with Blasphema out there, you only need to save one card to fill Leviah's mm-hmm. ability. So yeah. you can block for nine every turn and swing for six minimum. Right. Yeah. Or roll scab skins, you know, block for six, swing with Hexagore and, you know, uh, I did not see Doomsday in any of our games, which was pretty unfortunate. Yeah. But um, uh, the one game I was winning, I drew and took nine blood debt because I didn't draw a card that uh, helps out with that. Yeah. So that, anyway, it's a process. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess to answer your question, Michael, uh, we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're going to get there. It's like, it's pretty wicked fun to play though. Yeah. It's it, like pretty pretty fun yeah and it's pretty insane for when you place you know you play a pump on your dread screamer and then you follow up with the hexagore like that's pretty uh nuts yeah it's a lot of damage for sure all right all right we'll revisit that we'll come back with more totally. useful in- information but uh, we're just excited about the question and playing right now yeah <laughs> but keep sending us your questions at the attack action podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll answer them on the cast. Totally. Opened up with a difficult one. Again, you can ask us like anything, right? Uh, like, yeah, totally. What what type of trees are around? Yeah. Or, you know. What, yeah, exactly. You know, whatever. Um, I also apologize for perhaps my like gravelly voice. I have just <laughs> taken last minute up a uh, basketball coaching job. And I'm doing everything to keep my professional podcast moneymaker, my vocal cords, as healthy as possible so i'm drinking some nice tea you're doing great you sound great thanks talking about how it's going again <laughs> all right what's up next um i think we're going to get into kind of our main topic for the oh no you're right good job with the notes we're going to talk about the organized play structure really fast since we didn't get to that last cast um which lss announced and uh has definitely tickled everybody's fancy right everybody's pretty intrigued <laughs> about uh you know how because just because of covid and um it being a brand new game with less players and all that um this is them announcing the official structure for how to win worlds is pretty exciting (laughs) yeah um i don't they give you the road to worlds not how to win worlds you gotta we gotta figure that out ourselves yeah (laughs) totally Um, but the, the path to get there yeah, totally. So it's a four-tier system. To me, it is a little confusing at first, looking at this graphic. Yeah, but it's very pretty. Yeah, it, <laughs> but. It, it looks good. The The salient points, I think, are A, we're going to have... Uh, um, Sorry to throw you off there. <laughs> yeah, you totally did. Um, we're probably going to have organized play in the United States. You know, like having callings or road to nationals and that sort of thing. Hopefully COVID and vaccines depending, right? Um, 
But so the basic idea is that at tier one, we kind of have our armory and skirmish events, which are at the LGS level, basically. And armory events are like the base level. And then skirmer, skirmish stuff is for stores that are more dedicated to um, organized organizing play for flesh and blood right so the stores that are more into promoting that game get to run skirmishes which there's slightly better prizes and that sort of thing for that and then we move on to tier two where now things get a little spicy so now how the how the graphic is worked out and also if we get this wrong please let us know but it's like two different pathways one leads to a world championship and one leads to like a global pro tour right right which i'm still unsure exactly what that is but sounds awesome yeah i think we're gonna find out what the pro tour is i'm i'm guessing you like are gonna travel around to different countries and play all the best players at each yeah and earn money rather than prizes if that makes sense sure yeah think that's how they do it for other games so in tier two you have road to nationals which leads you to the world championship and then you have the pro quest and these are both open entry uh level events but they are geared to being kind of that next step up in terms of competition from skirmishes and armory right and the uh specifically road to nationals is like you said open entry yeah but then leads to nationals which is invite only. Right. So this is where you got to be to work your way up. Yeah, totally. Make so, it to those road to nationals. Yeah. And you have to, uh, I think it's probably like top eight or even top four, depending, you know, on whatever. So you have to do really well at road to nationals to get to nationals. And that's in tier three. And then in that we have national championship, which we talked about and the calling, um, which is an open entry thing. But you, um, I'm unsure. I think it's you, you can still win a PTI, a Pro Tour invite from the calling as well. Gotcha. But I also think the calling is maybe more organized to get more like, because um, I think it's also open entry. So you get more practice at a like professional level, right? Yeah, and the callings in like New Zealand are huge, right? It's like 150 people. Um, yeah, or like so, 300. I think they're sold out for the calling in New Zealand. Like yeah. 250 people, which is insane. In a smaller country. Yeah. So that's a higher level, um, but maybe just a much bigger event. Yeah. Um, and then tier four, we have the after national championship. We have the world championship. And then after the calling and pro quest and that sort of thing, right at the top there is the pro tour, which is global and uh, invite only too. And also the world championship is also invite only, and that only happens once a year. So that's kind of how it goes. So for us regular people, us like top 32 players, um, it looks like we're going to be doing a lot of skirmishes, a lot of road to nationals. We could even participate in pro quests and the calling. So there's still plenty of different types of events for people who don't get top eight right. to participate in that are larger. And James White talked about in an interview, which we'll cover pretty shortly we'll here, um, just how 
LSS is still very much dedicated to the uh, local scene, you know, maybe not above all else, but congruently with everything else. They want that to be the uh, main building blocks yeah. um, of these bigger tournaments and the game in general. So um, as these bigger events are announced and happen as COVID wanes, hopefully, um, you know, they were pretty adamant about the fact that they were going to have as still just as many, you know, skirmishes and armories and, you know, as many as people want pretty much or, you know, stores can support. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, which is a good segue into kind of our main topics. Um, I say that plural of the episode. So we're going to talk kind of briefly or I guess more at length about um, there was a recent interview, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with James White um, from a gentleman. Oh, man, I should have had this. Was it on Channel, Fi- Ch- Channel Fireball? Yeah, but it was um, on a specific channel. Um, fill time while I, I figure this out. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was unprepared. It was on the Binder POS okay. YouTube channel. And uh, James White has done an interview there before, but this is the most recent one. It was just a, a Q&A with him. Um, and so he had some really interesting things to say. Um, I think right away, just to kind of hit on on that last topic we were talking about, how part of LSS's kind of business structure and what they plan on for the future is that Local game stores and local communities are kind of the pillar foundation of their whole model. Like that's level one that they want to accomplish is to have strong local communities. Right. You know, which also sidebar, I'm going to talk to you about this live on the podcast because I've forgotten to tell you earlier. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, shout out to Homer, who's a local guy who has been collecting a shit ton of cards Wait, local for us? Yeah, local for us. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he's been building just budget blitz decks with commons and stuff. And in uh, McKinleyville, where uh, he potentially lives or lives nearby, in their game store there, they're down to host a learn-to-play. And me, you, and Mitch, I volunteered for us to teach how to play Flesh and Blood. Sounds great. So starting up our local community there so yeah if i mean everybody knows this by now but we're in california and have been on a pretty serious lockdown for the entirety of our totally but flesh and blood careers yep people are getting vaccinated so it's it's becoming um maybe a thing that we can start bolstering the uh local community yeah so tba but uh, should be here in this next month. We should and I'm that. just, you know, I get so tired of whooping on you. It would be nice to have some more. Uh... As the listeners know, <laughs> they will rewind a few minutes when you admitted to a straight whomping. By totally. Me. I get whooped in testing all the time. I like to throw in like 15 different trial cards and see how they feel. <laughs> yeah, all one of. <laughs> well, these all sucked. I didn't well, see any of them. Well, you know, and then you test and test yeah. and you get there, but. Okay, back um, to the James White interview. Cool, so, that's cool though. I'm excited. Yeah, local scene. Hell yeah, nice. Um, real quick, one thing he um, said was Crucible is coming mid July in three waves. 
um, are starting in mid July, mm-hmm. and the first wave is not as large as they had hoped. But you know, be patient, gobble up those cards, and uh, there's more coming. Yeah. Um, and he did. He made it sound like first editions will always be quite small, but he did say one of the, the biggest the print run. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did say one of the biggest focuses for LSS right now is getting more, um, you know, unlimited quantity just out there because they yeah. do recognize, and you know, he did he did admit that this is a huge issue for the game right now is just players unable to find um, cards. Yeah. So uh, they're they're working on that. Yeah, and he alluded to a lot of the things we have talked about on the cast, like that a lot of other TCGs, like the industry of card games is doing really well right now, and a lot of other TCGs need to get their cards printed, and there's only X amount of machines and printers in the world to be able to handle this amount of volume. Right. Right, so they're doing their best to increase their numbers, I mean, and, and so is everybody else. So um, it, it'll be a work in progress for a while. But um, that being said, it is nice to know that they know that, are willing to admit it, and are actively trying to solve it, which is what you want from your company, right? That you yeah. are like invested in as a player. That's the type of stuff you want to hear. Like, yes, I want a vibrant, strong local community and yes i want the company that is producing that game to understand where its issues are and actively try to solve them and then also tell me that they're doing that just is a lot of confidence it gives me you know totally which speaking of that too this is another thing i just wanted to mention is 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 we have kind of maybe explicitly or roundabout way like you know talked about how the legendaries in flesh and blood are really important and how they price new players out of the game at the same time but how in monarch there's it's about 80 packs is when you could get one legendary which is a little bit uh more frequent of a drop weight drop rate than 96 packs yeah not enough to solve the legendary problem. Right, right. But, yeah. Um, them being slightly more common always helps. Yeah. I'm sure we could do the math, too, and figure out, like, once Unlimited comes out, how exponentially more legendaries there will be or something like that oh, over right. time. Right? So that's that's part of it. Um, so, anyway, that was just, like, a tidbit I wanted to throw out there that I think is really positive and hopefully the game moves forward right in that direction you know? right um and that goes hand in hand with if lss does succeed in getting enough unlimited product mm-hmm. across the globe then there will be more legendaries you know enough to fulfill everybody's um needs and you know hopefully yeah. they'll all be priced at 50 or 80 or yeah. 100 bucks which, not not 250 yeah which sounds um, re- reasonable for an unlimited legendary right and james white did say in one of the questions he answered the thing he's most surprised about is the um secondary market right right like the price of cards in the secondary market that they did not like have a forecast to be like oh shit a unlimited 
mask of momentum is still 260 bucks or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a byproduct of your game ramping in popularity, you know? Totally. And if it's 10,000 times more popular than the same time last year, that's a pretty big demand. Yeah. You know? Totally. So interesting that that's like, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting that they didn't see that coming. Right. But I guess who could, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there was a portion there where you could get the the first two sets, Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising, for like 65 bucks a box. You know what I mean? Of like first edition. Yeah. You know? Which is insane. Sorry to everyone out there. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Shouldn't have ripped all those boxes open. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what else from that interview that you thought was a kind of a salient point? Um, one thing I thought was interesting was uh, he did say, so the current system they have an, of releasing a very limited print run of first edition with cold foils um, followed about a month later by an unlimited print run of that same edition. Um, they, he said he very much likes that system and they're going to keep doing it for the foreseeable future. Um, which I think is actually pretty okay. Like my gripe with it is it throws up this huge paywall for people to just play the game. You have to wait like a month or longer for your stores to you know, set up their inventory and ship you the cards and all that. So in order to play the game affordably, you have to wait over a month. But I mean, that's a, maybe a smaller gripe because there's no, there's no real events happening in between first edition and unlimited. So it's, it's more just, I want to play and I want to have all the good cards to deck build with and stuff. It's not like a, you know, systemic issue. Yeah. Um, So I get, you know, that's fine. And it, really helps collectors and um makes the sealed events really fun because you can go and crack yeah. cold foils and all that um what do you think about that i would like the gap between the two releases to be shorter yeah you know um because it just kind of would if i was a different person in a different place in my life I would have to wait for unlimited, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just, I don't know, would be tough when some of the low, you would just get a lot of FOMO, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fear, totally. fear of missing out. Yeah. I mean, we were fortunate enough to get our first addiction boxes for, you know, cheaper than market yeah. value. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people were just randomly not. Yeah. And, um, which is fine. Cause we're of the opinion that, for the majority, most of the cards should just be played. You should just play your cards. You know, mm-hmm. that's it's a game and that sort of thing. So first edition unlimited doesn't matter. But if you're trying to be balling on a budget, you know, having to wait that extra month for unlimited kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, it, and it's it's really only fine to get away with that, I think, during COVID when there are less events to go do in that sort of thing right i mean i like i said it's not so much of an issue but i would have a huge issue with it if there were events i mean and there's going to be a lot of events across the world right Mm -hmm. so if there were events like if kingdoms comes out and then a month later the unlimited version comes out and then there's some big event 
you know, in Poland or whatever, like the week later. So you've had to wait for Unlimited and then haven't had time to play before your main event. Um, that would really uh, be a bummer for a lot of players. And again, with so many, you know, a worldwide game and so many events and so many releases and all that, um, they could see that kind of uh, issue in the future. But right now it seems fine, except for the fact that I just want cards. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I don't really... And somebody, you can totally email us or something to um, let us know like if, if we're totally wrong. But I don't think if they were a week apart or even the same day, if that hurts sales on either end. Like people who want to collect cold foils or have the flex of having first edition cards will still do it and people who just want to play the game will still just get unlimited you know what i mean yeah like they could have a two-week stagger right and um you know then the pre-release would be before right yeah so it would just be uh (laughs) so you're throwing me off trying to talk to the people ha um Anyway, uh, so if there's just like a two-week gap, then it would, uh, you know, then people playing pre-releases would be three weeks early, and, you know, yeah, yeah. I think it would still incentivize purchases of first edition boxes. But, yeah, but who knows? I mean, I we'll see if they change it in the future or yeah. not. I mean, that's why I brought it up, because they seem to like it now, but again, it hasn't like ruined anybody's testing for an event or anything. So. Yeah, right. Um I will say the cold foils do look really good. So do the rainbow foil. It all just looks really, really clean. Yeah. Um, what else you got from this interview? Um, so this is the last thing I have to talk about. You guys can go check out the interview if you want. It's like an hour long or more yeah. maybe. Um, it's, it's great though. Yeah. Uh, but he did drop some uh, kind of hot info about kingdoms. Yeah. Do you want to? Sure. Yeah. So... Uh... He just, I mean, it's not that hot, but it is uh, like exciting because well, he, it, it excited me. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> he said Kingdoms is probably coming in September, which is really cool um, for the last four months of the year, um, which I'm really excited that that's happening like that soon. That seems like the perfect amount of time, you know, for a new set to be released. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the real hotness was that he explained that kingdoms is going to not add a bunch of new shiny stuff like Marnark did. It is uh, going to perhaps expand and reinforce a lot of things that Marnark is already doing. And then that according to him, the playtesting group, the dev group, the limited, um, play of kingdoms is like the best they've done yet which i feel like that's what they said about monarch and it definitely was true yeah (laughs) you know and and so if kingdoms is actually assuming that their james white is correct again is better i am uh going to poop in my pants (laughs) because that's so that's so amazing He, he he said like It'll be that type of product where you'll just be like, oh, I'll get an extra box and save it for like a rainy day. And it's just like such a good experience. And he's like, get some mates together and, you know, do a draft or whatever. 
Yeah, the fact that he said it was like, you know, miles above any other set they've made in terms of limited play. Probably didn't say miles as he's from New Zealand, but um, you get you get what I'm getting at. Kilometers, you know, yeah. because we were so blown away by how good uh, Monarch was and how much better it was than the other sets. For him to be like, Kingdoms is by far above and you know the yeah. rest. Um, really surprised me and got me pretty pumped. <laughs> totally, yeah. And he did say like, you know, other classes who didn't get support will get support. You know. Like, yeah, of course. They well, always, we, yeah, that's what you're always going to say. But I mean, we'll see, though, because. Well, who knows? But like you could argue Brute got support in Monarch, right? But really, you only got like two cards. Right. Yeah. So support's maybe a strong word for that. <laughs> not that not that I'm completely, you know, like the Leviathan play. Everything's like great. Yeah. But um, just saying a, a class will get support um, could mean a little or a lot. Right. So we'll see. Cool. You have anything else on that interview? I think that was all of my hot points I wanted to touch on. Nope. That's yeah. That does it. Cool. And yeah, go listen to that interview. Um, Binder POS is the um, YouTube channel. It's really great. All right. Our other main topic uh, we're going to talk about now. And we're going to talk about uh, classic instructed. Um, and it's going to be a, a two pronged attack here. So. We're going to talk about the first prong, (laughs) first prong uh, down in New Zealand, um, Dice Jar Gaming, who is great. They put on great streams all of the time. I wish that was our local store. No shade on North Coast role playing, but step up your game. Um, They have a great stream because they have an event to win a case of Crucible, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So you can kind of get a tease of what the new classic constructed meta is. So that's first prong is we're going to kind of talk about that. Second prong is going to be we're going to talk about where we think all of the heroes, including the monarch ones, are going to kind of fit into the meta. Are they in? Are they out? Et cetera. Right. That sort of stuff. Ready? Yeah. Do you, are you Set. leading off? Am I leading off? Go. Yeah, you, how well, about you lead off with Dice Jar? So the Dice Jar stream is still up online. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw some pretty exciting gameplay. You know, I mean, a few few tidbits. There was a uh, one Dorinthia in the top four. Two? No, Two just one. Two in the one. top eight. Yeah, one in, one the, in top the top four. And then, um, I don't know if you want me to spoil what happens in all this, but we kind of have to to talk about it. Yeah. So, um, okay, you're warned. Go go find out. Yeah. All right. And then now that you're back and <laughs> hit, you've paused, hit play. You, you can hit play again. And here's the here it is. Um. So we saw um one player Daniel McKay. I think so. Um. Something similar. Who's a very very talented player. Um. You can tell by watching him. Uh. Just go on a rampage with Prism. Right. The strength of that deck was like very apparent. Um. But um, we saw who Kale McCreeth yep. take the whole thing with Bravo, right? Yeah. So these are two, uh, two heroes who haven't been in the spotlight yet. I mean, kind of when Kale McCreeth, the, the uh, greatest Guardian player ever, whenever he's like playing, you know, he's going to like top eight, top oh, four. Yeah, he totally. has a he's like the solo Guardian 
Yeah. Totally. Who, who could win the tournament. <laughs> Ride or die. Doesn't matter what the event or format. He, he could win it. Which is what it's all about. Yeah. I love totally. it when players have a character loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, Prism, right? Daniel McKay, which you got right. Uh, it was on Prism. And seeing that deck in action is pretty exciting you know like very powerful um you can kind of tell that it's in its infancy and is it's really gonna go places you know i mean it's it's just crazy that it's been out first like kill mccreeth is an expert guardian player right yeah like an expert yeah and anybody piloting prism is not (laughs) right you know (laughs) so uh and he got he got smoked in swiss yeah 30 34 to nothing yeah you can really see um the power of that prism deck yeah like um daniel, when you get good draws and play well and, yeah you know. totally daniel took the first anotha swing for six went to 34 and that was the only damage he took yeah for the whole game pretty nuts it's pretty insane but then kale this is the great part about this whole event gets him in the finals to win the whole thing yeah you know maybe daniel got you know not sublime draws or whatever right. but also kale certainly um adapted pretty well to this new new foe yeah and ended up taking it classic mm-hmm. guardian maneuvers too like oh sure i'll go down to three <laughs> you're at 12 whatever i have a lined up dominate crippling coming you know <laughs> yeah, totally. yep oh here comes the next one yeah boom. i'm for sure gonna win boom game um the most one of the more interesting things before we kind of talk about perhaps the like chain deck you get to see on stream is that you're the you know there's a lot of the welcome to wraith heroes represented right you know, which i don't know if that says a lot about those heroes being kind of just classics and always good or um if it says a lot about just kind of early meta we're gonna play what we know type of stuff or kind of a little bit of a combo of both of those things. Right. You know what I mean? You, you see a lot of Welcome to Wraith and a lot of, or maybe less of, but some of the new Monarch heroes. Yeah, and that's but and that's what it is. Not many Arcane Rising Yeah, no heroes. Wizards, no Runeblades. You know, one, I think they had one Mechanologist, which that poor, <laughs> poor fool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so the Arcane Rising heroes like a have shittier weapons, right? So yeah. it's just you have a harder, more card hungry go of it, mm-hmm. and I think it's just you know it stands out right now that I don't know it makes them harder to pilot and just you know they're at a disadvantage at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they're the the Welcome to Wraith heroes are the ones if you've been playing the game the longest, those are the heroes you've played. The most so you feel most comfortable playing you know which makes sense um <clears throat> uh jason long's chain deck was uh very cool to see pilot he played just basically a super low costed uh chain deck which when i first was playing it i was like what none of the two costers like i don't know how he's gonna do it Oh, right, yeah. And then he just does it. It just was, like, um, unrelenting. Just, like, pinging you for arcane damage, coming at you for for four with a bounding demigon with go again, and then kind of, like, 
a bigger rift bind, um, you know, and that sort of thing. Just like two, three, sometimes four attacks if he has like a, a shadow of Urser in there, you know, and, and really use, utilizing dimensional gateways for opting and setting up the bottom of your deck and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really the strength of that deck as you go so weirdly wide. You know, yeah. swing for one rune chant and two. Yeah. And then just like rinse, repeat. Yeah. And then your opponent's like, ah, that actually turned out to be 15 damage this turn. You know? <laughs> right. But- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, really interesting way to play the deck. Not where I was initially. Um, but then um, before I watched that, I was like, well, I'll just put in all these cheap cards and see how that goes and it wound up being the list i put together for testing and stuff is uh kind of similar to jason long's list which was kind of cool um easier to play out that blood debt yeah which was kind of the idea is that i i didn't want to get stuck with kind of anything in there if i had to and stuff even though i did put spew shadows in there which is the three coster it's kind of really good on a on a rift bind you know, if you've played like, you know, you have a really good turn and you play one seed, another seed, and then you get a spew uh, shadows on a, a rift bind. And that gives you, you know, plus four and go again, you know, with two sources of arcane damage. It just is, right. is a lot. It seems like inefficient because you're like, I'm just playing like all of these. But then once the, the culmination of them is is really good. Um, and it kind of reaches a critical mass that way with the attacks. So, sure. Um, yeah. Also, of note, we did not see any Leviathans or um, were there some Boltons there? I don't there? think there was a Bolton on stream. No. Yeah. yeah. So, um, those heroes have yet to make a showing, although either could be fairly strong. Um, but um, right now, it just it's starting to look like because it it seems like right. Prism probably just annihilates, I mean, control dash, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, maybe doesn't annihilate, but is, you know, a strong enough matchup against Dorinthia, mm-hmm. right, in Classic Constructed. Yeah. Um. So, you know, like, knocking out control dash, for one, really opens everything up. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, it's it like, really does, yeah. Now other heroes can definitely shine. Because it, it's like, if you had a really strong hero but control dash was maybe an auto loss or a tough matchup. You're just out no matter what. Yeah. And, and I think control dash also kind of keeps kind of go wide ish strategies at bay a little bit, you know, just because of how willing they are to just like give up their hand and then apply oh, right. pressure back. Yeah. Right? One, one blue swing back for six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And so even though you're, you're attacking, you know, from three sources or whatever, that it's still like you're getting minimal damage through. Right. You know, and the exchange is too good and that sort of thing. So um Yeah. Anything else about that tournament? We're kind of just like cascading into our next topic yeah, anyway totally. here. Which is great. No, there's nothing else really I would like to talk about on that. I I thought it was a cool peek into Kind of the meta and the the announcing and stuff is really good. They have uh, Jordan Nelson Fussell on there, and he's what a character. He's pretty funny. Um, One thing I will say is um, 
and like a very mild complaint I had before about the game was how, uh, you know, defense just beat offense or was stronger, right? Yeah. Like it, it ended up being efficient controller, more control style decks were in general stronger. And uh, just based on this one last tournament we saw, just very initial impressions though, it's like games are faster and these kind of aggro these newer aggro decks just really hammer down and kind of can go over the top, right? So like just efficient control dash, it doesn't matter because Prism can fire 15 damage a turn and that just, you know, beats you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That said, Guardian did take it. Um, Not a a deep control Guardian, just a regular, but you know. um, Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Kale put in red out muscles right you know which is pretty sick um and rouse the ancients yeah rouse the ancients are in there i mean that's kind of the interesting thing when you look at the top eight decks like what new cards made it in you know the old heroes yeah 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 like there was a dorinthia deck with maybe exude confidence in it or no nourishing nourishing emptiness yeah you know which yeah it's kind of a no-brainer but then they also still had attacks so i don't, I wasn't net sure what their sideboard stuff was yeah i don't know then you throw command and conquer in also for prism yeah so. there was also a really interesting like uh reinar claws build that ran life for lives hmm. you know just to like put it in there and kind of punish people i think for Maybe wanting, I think it's probably specifically Warrior, if you're trying to hold on to your cards, it's like, okay, oh, yeah. nine-point nine swing here where we go uh, Pigeon Blue, Life for a Life, that hits, I gain a life, Romping Club for four, you know, right. type of thing. Two cards, yeah. eight damage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you gain a health for yeah. Life for a Life. So, um, kind of interesting Silver Bullet tech piece there. Yeah, that is good tech. I've thought about that a million times. <laughs> But it's just like another red block yeah. for two. It just dilutes the core efficiency of your deck. But yeah, maybe it's well worth in, it. Yeah, in certain you matchups know? when you need to just like do damage rather than like intimidate to right. do damage or something. Or yeah. strip cards, yeah. Interesting. Good players down there in Dunedin. Dunedin? Dunedin. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Nice. Nailed it. Been there. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shout out. Okay. I can't, I can't remember how to say the places I've been always, oh. but... <laughs> Nailed that one. Got her there. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody let me know if I said that wrong, please. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk about um, the heroes. Just our general impressions of how the heroes are going to fare. Yep. In in classic constructed meta. Right. Right. So let's right. start with Welcome to Wraith. So just just go down the list there. All right, well, we'll start with Guardian, which I think we've already seen is uh, faring pretty well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Guardian seems to, in the past, have had a little bit tougher matchups against, like, Control Dash or, like, Ninja, Mm -hmm. right? Like, really wide peppering in damage because you can't block so efficiently with your cards. Um, But... With those decks waning, I mean, Guardian's really good, right? It was just not that strong against the top couple decks. 
Um, so with those decks maybe out, Guardian really shines and has a fair matchup against Prism because you can pop those. You know, right. you have to use your threats, but you can pop those uh, illusions. <laughs> right. I I so I think to con- contextualize a lot of things. I think we can safely assume that Prism is going to be always in Classic Constructed, have a strong showing and be a strong deck. You know, and is kind of a deck that you're going to have to pay attention to, right? Like and sideboard accordingly for, right? Yeah, so, totally. So just keep that's the lens we're looking through. So for you at home, keep that lens on as well, right? So yeah, I agree. I think Guardian is going to be one of the top decks because it has such a good matchup against Prism. You yeah, know? and everybody else. Yeah, except you know, go wide aggro ninja or control dash yeah, or whatever. Totally. We'll um, see how he fares against Chain. I mean, <clears throat> decks that can kind of float a blue if you're going to deal like a bunch of different sources of arcane damage. You know, and and they can afford to float a blue and then still pay for their turn because they have so many resources. Can be kind of hard to get over that mountain, right? Gotcha. Yeah, like they have extra blues. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I drew four this turn. Only needed two. No problem. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing with Guardian is that a little cat scratch and thumping in the background. (laughs) If you could hear that. If not, uh, moving on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty nuts that, you know, Guardian can just pitch and block and then make a surge and swing a Nothos. And then they're kind of happy to do that until they pick the moment to yeah. hammer down. Yeah. And in that same vein of like anti prismness, I think Reinar is um, going to have a, a pretty good place, I think, in the meta too, you know, um, with Bloodrush Bellows and the Claws, like. That's just a really classic build and classic play, I think, at this point, and is just going to be um, always good. Yeah, I know? agree. And it's it's another deck that I've found right because it's again it's a little bit slower, um, or like like Guardian a little card hungry to have a big impact. I mean, you have a good weapon, so that's fine, but. Um, you know, you need like a four card hand to pull off your big, big hammer downs. But, um, you know, again, with like control dash or like ninja, like waning a little bit. Um, and in classic constructed brute has the breathing room to kind of like trade damage and like build up your big turns. Um, and brute also got a little pump. We'll see how good pulping is. Yeah. But, um, you know, tear limb from limb, even if it's a one of in your deck, I think should be considered. Um, we'll see how much of a pump those gives that class, but it is right. one of the class that did get pumps. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's running swing with big tree <laughs> as hilarious as that card is, man. It makes me <laughs> want to play brute, but, uh, yeah, I agree. I think, I don't know if brute is going to like get to the same level as, um, guardian, but I think it will, always be strong or maybe a little bit stronger now yeah i you think know? so I, th- I think it's gonna do i think he's gonna do well yeah for sure um a class i think that is gonna get kind of 
actually pushed out now, even and this might be a hot take, but I think uh, Dorinthia is going to be kind of Ooh. playing second fiddle. Now. Hot take. Dorinthia is out. <laughs> well, Dorinthia will always be around because people love that class and it's still a good deck and will in praise on newer players who have no clue how to block against reprise and that sort of thing. Right. But that being said, like I think Prism just kind of womps on Dorinthia, you know, like all of the, you know, with Luminaris and getting, giving your attacks go again and, and spectral shields and stuff. It's, I think it's just too much for Dorinthia to be able to handle. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, it, it's like Dorinthia and Blitz has this like pretty good advantage because she goes pretty aggro and has a full set of armor, Mm -hmm. but in classic constructed, it's like a lot easier to deal with her Mm -hmm. because you kind of have the breathing room to chip away and just choose your good exchanges. Um, and she, uh, you know, it's one of those decks where against like chain or wizard or whatever, if you take her only blue or yellow or, you know, if you catch her with a bad hand, then she either takes quite a bit of damage, you know, blocking arcane or, you know, Mm -hmm. gets rid of that and has a handful of reds. Yeah. um, Which makes it a lot harder. And that's the other thing is I think chain still is like, really going to be able to just deal more damage than she is you know the classic like well i got my right. counter i'm not gonna block and it's like okay well you have to take 12 now, yeah or you know? 18 or whatever's happening yeah, you know and, totally. and then you're swinging back for like pumped four or seven yeah, you know it's, it's just like, like it doesn't really it matter hits, go yeah. again um okay i guess i'll uh you know maybe come back in for four again or something you know yeah so uh and and once you get dorinthia to start to block it's like way more manageable so i i think she is going to get pushed out a little bit totally of the meta i think she'll always be you know middle of the road or like pretty good i think that deck's still going to be pretty good yeah just because like those god hands are pretty nuts it's just really finely tuned at this point too yeah you know that's true yeah um, so we have Ninja. Yep. What do you think about Ninja? Um, so Control Ninja has been out. Yeah, gone. Gonzo. But unsure. I'm going to say Ninja has a place. Nice. Because aggro Ninja, I mean, forces blocks, right? You like have to block. Otherwise, they're just getting go again and drawing cards. Mm. And um, can like really run away with it. So... If you're putting, I mean, this is just all in my mind. I could be completely wrong, but it's just like if you're playing like Prism or Chain or whatever and just can't or choose not to block like an aggro ninja, I mean, they're going to throw out, you know, 22 damage a turn or whatever. Right. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out, right? But, um, or maybe they can side, I don't know if Chain or Prism sides in defense reactions or whatever but just the you you have to play against that aggro ninja deck like you know with two card hands each or whatever you can't you can't just trade damage for the same reason that probably dorinthia can't trade chain damage right yeah i don't know i mean that's my initial impression what what do you think of ninja 
Um, I, I don't, you know, I mean, Ninja does fairly well against the other Welcome to Wraith heroes that we previously mentioned. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of a gray area for me for Ninja because so like even against Prism, right, you can like go Kadachi, Kadachi and then attack the aura, you know, that Prism right. potentially has out. Um, which definitely nerfs your turn and you'll have to like sideboard accordingly for against her. Um, I don't know. That's the, that's one of the few ones I'm unsure about how that's going to play out. Right. Like does then Ninja side in like uh raging onslaught yellow, you know, and making sure they put in command and conquers to combat prism or can they just kind of, uh, go toe to toe with her. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you're totally right. That's the the Achilles heel, right? Is that it has no sixers. Yeah. And everyone you put in yeah, totally. just makes your deck less consistent. Yeah. I think so. it has a good matchup against Chain. Like that's a pretty I think exciting matchup and probably like pretty high <laughs> Four minute round. <laughs> yeah. So, well I think it's it's a bit more grindy because you're both kind of trying to vie for getting that forehand tempo. Right. You know, like you don't want the other person to go off type right. of thing. So, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Ninja We'll goes. see that. So I think I'm, Ninja's so, a fun dark horse you so, know, to yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's leave it at that. Dark horse. Ninja's the dark horse. I was going to say gun to my head oh. if I had to pick, but... Dark horse is what we're going with. Oh, <laughs> into my head, unsure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're we're running out of time, so let's move let's on. Fire through these. The arcane rising here. All right, wizard. Uh, in the meta for sure. Soon as somebody starts playing wizard, in totally. But loses super hard to prism. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were hoping wizard would get a pump with this new set, and yeah. it just seems to have gotten an auto loss opponent. Totally. Which is not what Wizard in Constructed yeah. needed. Does you know? does good against Chain, though. Does good against Warrior, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then, oh, maybe Wizard's out. Because then if if we're saying Reinar's going to be around and Guardian. Those and are tough, Prism. And yeah. Prism, those are tough matchups. Wizard's okay. just the hardest one to play. And uh, yeah. we don't have enough dedicated Wizard players. You yeah. know, it's like you we've seen Wizard can beat everybody. Right. If they're good enough and... Everybody understand the match. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Wizard out. I agree. It's too tough. Okay. Ranger. Uh I say ah, don't make <laughs> me say it. Um, I think still out or so I don't believe Ranger is as bad as everybody believes. Um, but you in the past had some like pretty tough like control dash was a pretty tough matchup. Guardian's a pretty tough matchup. Um who knows? Now that the meta is totally shifted, it could be okay. Um, just don't have any armor, but your your hit effects are more disruptive of these aggro classes. Yeah. Right. So like hamstring shot, sleep dart, um, red in the ledger, remorseless, uh, really disrupt. You know, prism or chain. So. I don't, I don't think Ranger's going to like win anything this year or whatever, <laughs> but I think it might be, uh, you know, better, right? 
Um, there might yeah. be more breathing room for it if you're not just having to beat like guardian and control dash. And, you know, even Dorinthia, I think, is like a okay matchup. Yeah, I think that's the great place to put it is Ranger is better. Mm-hmm. Period. You know? Yeah. We'll see, but it's not as bad as it was. Totally. You know? Boom. There we go. Yeah, well, it's just before it was like you, you know, you fire eight dominate dash blocks with a red unmovable and then you... uh Oh, there goes the door. <laughs> um, you know, dash blocks with a red unmovable and, uh, you know, then swings for like nine with yeah. pistols. Yeah. But now it's like there's less less of those red unmovables, more cards that block for two. So the hit effects that you threaten are like more disruptive. Yeah, totally. You know? And require you to kind of... And I mean, if you dominate, you know, eight red in the ledger for chain then he just eats all that blood debt next turn. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then has even more cards to play out the turn after, maybe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's like a new world. Yeah. Right? For yeah. a ranger totally. um, to do okay. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Ranger someday. All right. I'm keep practicing. <laughs> all right. Uh, Viscerai. Um, I think with the added cards gives him a bump for sure even in the new meta yeah i think so i think there's going to be kind of a a really sick play that somebody's gonna figure out the right deck it's gonna fit in but you're gonna get a bunch of rune chance pop blood sheath and play sonata arcanics right right and then like reveal 12 cards yeah and deal seven arcane damage and then add five Draw attacks six or yeah, yeah, yeah. To your hand <laughs> and then play out your turn um so i think there's you know another card to pop blood sheath with makes that deck much 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 better you know yeah and having th- things where you can uh take away so like now you kind of have to respect them a little bit more because if you you can run now nine copies of vexing malice which deals two arcane damage right right so if that deck rises to any sort of prominence now you need arcane barrier two at least right Right. which either strips another piece of equipment or if you're brute you just run the skull horn um but not having access to two pieces of equipment is a is a big deal that you would have to sideboard in against Viserai. So, um, right. I think he I think he gets a bump. I don't, you know, I because I love Viserai. I want to say like, oh yeah, top deck, but uh, I don't think so yet because even still, you have to have a mini. You have to have inclusions of cards that block for two and you have to have this whole like setup thing and if what we're saying is true and the meta is going to be moving fast and aggro um i don't know if this will be able to get set up and set up in time but i agree there's some really big plays that can happen now bigger than last yeah meta you know i agree i i don't think i do think he got a pump and i don't think he quite has it but very well could be wrong because it's like 
now it, it seemed before it's like, well, you have to make rune chants also. Now it's like you, if you play a Moruvian Skies into a Vexing Malice, then that's going to like make a rune chant. Yeah. And you have to block with two separate cards to like not turn on rattle bones or meet and greet or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It could be better than I think for sure. And yeah. like you, the combo you just talked about, of course, is insanity. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, and I think Dread Scythe is going to unlock a different Viscerai build. Yeah. That, um, that he sorely needs, you know, I'm, I this is my hot take is Dread Scythe is good. People are like, no, it costs three, it's not that good. I'm like, no way. Whatever, Anothos costs three and it's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Only because it goes to six, but Well. And because that deck makes you run blues anyway. Yeah. It's like it I, doesn't really matter. And Viscera has really strong blues. So Yeah. Anyway, totally. I think it's I think Dread Scythe, all the new tools for Viscera give him a substantial bump. And so is he a top deck? No. But is he gonna be prevalent? Yes, that's my that's my take. Nice. All right. Uh, Mechanologist dash. Dunzo dead. Burnt to a crisp. Yep. Gone. It's agreed. <laughs> Control dash is like gone out of the current meta. Yeah. But even boost dash um, doesn't seem as good as some of the other aggro decks out there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And if you can not die and outweight Boost Dash, you just have to live. Right? Yeah, um, that's the thing. Is like if Boost Dash becomes a thing, it's like cool. Then just any control deck will just beat it. Yeah, or just a regular deck. With, you know, all you just hang have out. to block. Yeah, just hang out. <laughs> block, um, block, block. Which uh, you know the the ceiling on that deck is like pretty high. <laughs> right. It, it could. Do Who something. Knows? I mean, it burns through cards pretty fast. We could though. be wrong. Plasma barrel shot is the new meta. <laughs> Sick. Sick. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Um, Shadow Brute, Leviah. Okay, this would be my hot take. I think once somebody figures her out, because like the other heroes, right, Chain, Prism, those are just the easiest ones to figure out right away on on paper, right? But Leviya is is going to be really good. She's going to be really really strong. You're going to figure out the right tempo for all of your matchups and the right siding, the right weapon, the right weapon for your matchup too. And it's going to be just really really strong. But nice. That being said, I think there will also be it'll be a brute deck, so there'll be a high chance of like <laughs> you just game's over you know like those games aren't maybe going to go to time but sometimes you'll just be like fuck i died you know yep yep doing it i'm doing it (laughs) um yeah i am glad to hear you say that yeah i'm not quite as confident as you right because they uh you have less intimidate you still don't have hit effects but your cards are above you know or like above curve yeah, slightly. Um, slightly above curve, you know, at their cost, right? You have to manage your graveyard and not die from blood debt. Um, a lot of what I've run into is that, yeah, I do pretty well, but then just in the, not even like late game, but like last 15 health, it's like my opponent can just trade life, pressure me, you know, just like pick weight because I'm always going to die of blood debt. 
Mm-hmm. So um, that has been like, there's just a lot of um, mechanics to that deck to unlock. But I agree, like at face value, when you just look at the cards, right? Like you can play for three cards, you know, you can play nine dominate, mm-hmm. right? Or you can play six and then six real easily or, you know, like it goes on and on. But um, yeah, a little less confident i guess but i agree it's potentially there to be very powerful cool all right uh all right chain shadow rune blade uh going to be strong always so i think it's just it's just gonna be a good deck it's not gonna be you know yeah you got to build it in the right way but i think we're gonna see a bunch of different iterations of it and i think it's just going to always be strong because he will always have access to eight cards right you know and that's always going to be a really strong ability i completely agree yeah it's just his mechanic is unique in that like you said you get a you know three four seven eight card hand every turn um which is pretty nuts like even like seeds right does one damage but then it like turns on bounding demagon or you know it goes on and on and uh as long as you don't get really terrible draws it's just like very strong to have even if you have some block for twos and stuff it's just really strong to have that kind of hand that size of hand yeah totally all right short and sweet yeah all right uh bolton light warrior i am going to theorize that this Bolton's going to be the strongest deck of the four. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Which, A, annoying that another warrior is going to be really strong. But, uh, B, it's going to be a totally different situation. You know? Yeah, I kind of get a headache playing against Bolton. Because the blocking pattern and his, like, multiple abilities. It's just, like, really... I mean, probably less so once people learn how to play against it. But it's, like, really hard to play against right now because yeah. it's so new and so different. Yeah. I th- I just think the tempo at which he's going to play is going to fit in really well. And when he goes off with V of the Vanguard and, you know, whatever else you can add into that combo, it's just going to be so good. You know? Because you could go, like, V of the Vanguard... Pitch a blue, charge, comes out for four, go again. Battlefield Blitz for six, go again. Valiant Thrust for seven, go again, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, all, of course, all of those get pumped, too, because they're all on the same chain as V of the Vanguard, so it's actually for, you know, I guess it is for six and eight and and whatever, you know? It's just so strong. Yeah, what we were talking about earlier, especially that card pumps, both attacks and weapons mm-hmm. which is kind of abnormal for cards usually they specify one or the other mm-hmm. um so yeah then it's like raid in for four raid in for four you know or yeah. whatever pump it um yeah i agree i think bolton in constructed will be you know he he shares similarities with dorinthia in that you kind of need a lot of cards mm-hmm. once you get them down to two cards so if you can force him through hit effects or whatever to play with two card hands, he's a lot weaker. But there's just like, you have to stop him by killing him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes you can stop Dorinthia when you call the bluff and you're like, okay, you don't have it. You oh, know yeah, I mean? yeah. But he could, get, you know, it's still, 
V for the Vanguard for four. Celestial Cataclysm for eight. Yeah, I mean, you have like nine take flights. It's just like... Enlightened <laughs> Strike for eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you can just do that. And you can't stop it. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? You have to run like Eclipse Existence to get those cards out of his soul. So... Well, it only gets one out anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I think he will be uh, pretty strong. Again, the it's like the only weakness I can see is the card-hungry yeah. part. Yeah, totally. Um, but that's true of like any of these like right. chain or right you know. yeah um all right last one prism which we already talked about a bunch but initially prism is going to be super strong and oppressive but then everybody's going to figure out how to beat her and she's going to be less of a problem that's what i'm gonna say nice totally um i think she will always be fairly strong that's a pretty similar answer right <laughs> she's like pretty strong right now but um, I agree. It's like once you learn how to play against it. Um, the only tough thing is, is if you're playing like Bolton or, you know, Katsu or whoever who doesn't naturally have sixes, like how big of a sideboard are you allotting just to the prism matchup? Or are you not even allotting sixes and just playing your own game? And like does Bolton's, you know, five card hammer down beat prisms or whatever? Right. Um the one strength you can see in Prism is that so long as you don't draw too many auras at the same time or whatever, um, playing out an aura like kind of stops your opponent, right? Because, I mean, they it, as it, of right now, they yeah. have to destroy the aura. Well, it depends right? on the matchup, right? Because if it's like any go-wide strategy, you can do part of your go-wide Right, Strat- but then it leaves pr- allows Prism to kind of perhaps block, right? yeah, and then apply counter pressure that way. So, right. which she can do with like two cards, yeah, like swing yeah. for seven hit effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think she's quite as good as is initially felt, but ju- just that whole cut, like really good cards. Um, the kind of go wide effect of her majestic weapon which i think is nuts yeah um and then the uh you know the playing of auras you know which really like i said kind of like trips up your opponent um not that it's not hard for her to do but we'll see i think we kind of both or you know i think she's i think she'll be fairly strong not tournament dominant yeah and of course, I'm totally fine with being completely wrong by everything we said. Hey, you know? me too. Yeah. It's happened before. It totally might, has. Might happen again. Yeah, who knows. Um, so yeah, I think that was a great, great discussion. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty psyched to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to be involved in it and see what happens. See what we can do. Totally. Um, unfortunately, I have to go to practice, so we got to cut this episode short. Yep. We'll have some segments for you guys next time. Yep. Uh, look out for my Bolton deck tech that'll be coming at the beginning of the month. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. On our YouTube page, um, search the Attack Action Podcast. We come up. Uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook and Instagram, the Attack Action Podcast. Email us, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com we do have an affiliate link with fab foundry 
um, click that and do all of your single shopping there. Uh, that helps out the channel and uh, or the podcast, whatever we are. No, it helps us out. It helps us out. Um, and then also uh, in the description of the show is our Patreon um, and rewards based on tier level of support, TBA. Um, so hit us up if you have any ideas what those could be. But our Patreon's out there. Um, if you want to support us and help us grow the podcast, that would be much appreciated. Which people have already hit us up about uh, prize ideas. Um, yep. And as we're cutting this episode short today, or, you know, whatever, shorter than usual, um, we won't get into that right now, but we are uh, cooking up ideas and want to hear more from you guys about what you would like as prizes. Totally. Um, we love you all very much, and we appreciate all of the support and listenership you guys have been uh, giving us. It's its really great. It's amazing to think that, um, you know, in just a couple of months, we had started our We'll be on our year anniversary, and then we'll be on our well, year, that's nuts. year anniversary of the podcast when we had two listeners, you know, and now it's like every week we have more subscribers, more listeners, and we appreciate you guys sharing the podcast and um, just being the excellent attactioneer community that you are. Yeah, thanks everybody. And hopefully we'll all be playing in the flesh and blood very soon here. Yeah, totally. And you can beat down on Isaac as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.